And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Don't show up, don't come out, don't start caring about me now. Hello, British Columbia, I'm Anthony Gismondi, and welcome to today's show. Lee Mann, founding judge of the Chinese Restaurant Awards and a Vancouver Magazine contributor, joins us to talk about the year of the rabbit and some Chinese New Year traditions, we'll also get some tips on his favorite restaurants across the Lower Mainland. Ian Tossenson, President and CEO of the British Columbia Restaurant and Food Services Association, talks Dine Out Vancouver, and he's going to update us on the current state of the restaurant market across the province, uh, and we're going to talk about patios. It's a big issue today with government. Harry Hertzig, Executive Director for Vancouver International Wine Festival, is back with a 2023 ticket update for the April 27th to 29th show and some news on some of the biggest fine stars that will be attending the 43rd edition of the Vancouver International Wine Festival. But up next, Jeremy Budd, co-owner of West Coast Wild Foods, joins us to talk about foraging for wild mushrooms and other gems across British Columbia. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, where everybody has a story. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we are set to go. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Create a Valentine's Day celebration they'll never forget with help from Save on Foods. Offering a collection of more than 1,300 BC VQA wines to share with your sweetie. Plus everything else you need for the big day. One-stop shopping for decadent chocolate, dinner supplies, after-dinner drinks, and of course, flowers and cards. And when you purchase any four bottles, get 10% off. Who doesn't love wine and chocolate? Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods. With 22 locations. Find yours at saveonfoods.com. The Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing and refreshing stay on the Naramata bench. Relax on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the Therapy Vineyards wine shop. Book your room or order Therapy Vineyards award-winning wines and have them delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com. Because everyone needs a little therapy. Clos du Soleil makes wines that speak of the Similkameen soil where their grapes are grown and the souls of the people who call this valley their home. Winemaker Michael Clark and his team specialize in wines that blend Bordeaux grape varieties with their unique mountainous terroir. The result is wines that are elegant, ageable, and authentic. Clos du Soleil, wild places, soulful wines. Available at closdusoleil.ca and fine restaurants and wine stores near you. Plan a romantic getaway this February and make Penticton the place to fall in love with winter and with each other. Enjoy mountain adventures or just take it easy with a visit to one of over 80 area wineries, cideries and distilleries or the eight craft breweries. Dine out and experience fantastic locally sourced restaurants too. It's the perfect destination for a romantic winter getaway. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on Valentine's packages and events. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, and welcome to the show. A shout out to our home base here at BNN Bloomberg 1410 in Vancouver and all other 19 stations 
on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Excited to have our first guest today. He's Jeremy Budd, the co-owner of West Coast Wild Foods, based out of Richmond, uh, British Columbia. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Uh, I'm really well, and I'm as I say, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, I, I want to get right into it. Uh, you're a forager. You started out as a forager. In fact, you started out as a kid. So tell us a little bit about how, how it all got going for you and, and what foraging is. Sure, yeah. I, I grew up on the Sunshine Coast um, in Roberts Creek, and uh, my, my parents were actually uh, pine mushroom buyers. So mm. um, I had a pretty unique experience as a kid. I grew up with a wild mushroom uh, buying station in, in my basement during the fall. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it. it was, it was, it was very interesting. And I fell in love with, with, uh, with pine mushroom uh, harvesting specifically when I was uh, seven or eight years old, I was going out with my father and, and uh, you know, he taught me and it was an activity that we did together. And, and uh, I found that I just loved being in the forest and, um, mm harvesting wild mushrooms is an incredible experience it's uh, uh very meditative and um you're connecting with the forest environment um and and it's 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 exciting as well you know it 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 strikes me as it's not really a part of our culture and i don't know maybe growing up i always heard about well don't pick those mushrooms they're poisonous they'll kill you whatever did, uh, did that cross your mind at the time or did you just learn from the outset what where the good ones were, what the good ones were. Yeah, you, you learn pretty quickly. And, you know, f- harvesting wild mushrooms, foraging has been a part of, you know, cultures around the world for a long time. So there's a lot yeah. of knowledge there. And uh, I think in, in British Columbia, um, more and more people are kind of getting getting to know how to, how to forage for wild mushrooms. And um, so over time, more people are doing it, and it's knowledge that's passed down, and and people you you meet, and uh, resources like like my company that can help you know people to feel more confident. Yeah, Jeremy Budd is the co-owner of West Coast Wild Foods. Jeremy, uh, so tell us today. So you've started this business. Do you have people picking for you, or or they're your people? How does it work at at, at West Coast? Yeah, so we um, harvest like. Uh, wild mushrooms for all over, from all over the province, and we work with uh, foragers that are, you know, in, living in these local communities. Um, also, some foragers that travel to to do the work as like seasonal work as well. Right. Um, yeah. Typically, how it works is we'll um, we will have like a a depot in the community uh, that's run by a local person there, and the harvesters will come in with their their uh, wild mushrooms that they've harvested that day and um, sell to our to our depot there. Right. So yeah, you know, it's, it strikes me as being very sustainable. Like you're 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 hiring local people. They're working in their in their local environment, harvesting these mushrooms, and then you you move them out to uh, to the rest of the world. I guess actually, let's talk about that. Where where do the mushrooms go? Yeah, the mushrooms go to different markets around the world. Um, you know. For example, the chanterelle uh, goes, not only does it go throughout Canada and the U.S., but also will go to Europe when in season. Yeah. Uh, Very popular there. Um, The pine mushroom, which is a fall wild mushroom here as well, uh, typically most of it goes to Japan, where it's a a renowned 
seasonal delicacy there. Right. Um, so different markets for different mushrooms. And uh, for, for my company, we started out uh, basically doing uh, export for the most part. And now what we're finding is there's a lot more interest locally. So we're doing more and more local uh, local sales. And, and that's fantastic. It's been a great yeah. process for us. I love I love the sound of that because you know traditionally sort of the way it goes our salmon's great we ship it away and and uh, you know we have fantastic mussels or whatever we ship them away but but uh, getting these mushrooms into people's hands I mean I came across mushrooms in the wine business because of course they're a tremendous uh, accompaniment to many uh, different wines and I was exposed to them wondering well I you never see these mushrooms in stores has that changed uh, you would say that's changed for consumers looking for say pine mushrooms or chanterelles in season here in British Columbia yeah definitely it's it's for changing for sure um, we we offer the wild mushrooms um, on our online store so whenever anything's in season you can find it there but more retail stores in in BC are now taking on the wild mushrooms right um, so I think in the future, it, it should get easier. It should be easier for people to access them when they're in season. Yeah. Uh, well, talking about that, so online, wcwf.com, uh, folks can go there and check out what you're selling because you have more than mushrooms. Give us a little idea of what what you have been foraging and what's available for uh, British Columbians to check out. Yeah, so we have our full line of dried and fresh wild mushrooms. We do um, wild berries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also do wild vegetables. We've got fiddleheads um, when in season. We do pickled fiddleheads. Um, and we're doing more and more like um, innovative products and value-added stuff. We just did a line of wild mushroom seasonings that are absolutely incredible. It's like an all-purpose seasoning where we're using the wild mushroom powder as like the key ingredient. Wow, um, and so we're continuing to kind of diversify and branch out with all things wild harvested. And the keys for us is if it's sustainable and we can work with it every year and not alter the forest environment by doing it, mm-hmm. um, then that's something that we'll consider and we'll work with. I love the sound of that. Jeremy Budd is the co-owner of West Coast Wild Foods, and we're talking about many of the uh, products that they have available online. I noticed that, I mean, people talk a lot about truffles. Is that part of uh, the makeup for your business as well? Yeah, we, we do. We bring truffles in from uh, from Italy and uh, Spain during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're doing, uh, we've got the black winter truffle, uh, and the white Alba truffle. So we do bring those truffles in. And there's also, um, there is a local truffle that grows in our forests here, um, which is, is quite rare and not, not uh, easy to come by. So, but we're, we're interested in potentially doing that in the future as well. Wow. Uh, uh, one other question. I wanted to know a bit about berries because, you know, of course, everybody knows blueberries and strawberries and that. What about some of these other berries? Do you, do you get involved in, in wild berries as well? Yeah, one of the items that we do um, each year is um, the mountain huckleberry. And the mountain huckleberry is just an incredible flavored, uh, large blue huckleberry. It's not as tart as the red huckleberry, which we know uh, locally here in BC, uh, in the in the lower mainland. Um, yeah. It's more sweet and it's a wonderful berry. So we do more, more and more with the, the mountain huckleberry as well. That sounds good to me. 
Okay. There, there are some similarities in wine in terms of uh, you must have seasons, and I'm wondering, you know, we see so much uh, in the wine business. We've got wildfires and smoke. We've got, uh, you know, freezing temperatures that are hurting vines. What, what sort of issues are you facing uh, in, in, in climate change, I guess, or in climate chaos, as we say now? Yeah, there, there's a lot of similarities between wine and the wild mushrooms, for sure. Um, also, like the, the principles of, of terroir, uh, for sure right. are, are are factors in the wild mushrooms with the flavors of the wild mushrooms. Wild mushrooms will taste different due to the region and you know that we attribute that to the soil conditions, the tree types and other environmental factors in that region. Um, and I know that's a you know I don't know a lot about wine, but I do know that that's one of the principles in winemaking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah definitely. Other- yeah, and, and other environmental, all of the, those environmental factors come into play with the wild mushrooms, not only in the, in like the flavor you may, might experience in those mushrooms, but also whether or not those mushrooms will be abundant that year or whether or not, you know, they may not grow at all if the, if the right. environment is healthy and balanced. Yeah. Uh well, I've enjoyed this. I think I feel like I should go out mushroom hunting. Can you give me a quick tip about where I might start or how I would even find a mushroom in the forest? You know what? It's always best to, to harvest with somebody that knows. Um, okay. But it, it, throughout, like, the lower mainland, if you go in any of the hiking trails around B.C., you'll find in, in the fall specifically that uh, the mushrooms are in season. But go with somebody that knows um, and just be sure about the varieties that you're harvesting. Jeremy, uh, it was a real pleasure to talk to you today, and uh, I'm sure that our listeners will uh, check you out at uh, uh, West Coast Wild Foods and online uh, as well. And uh, wish you a great spring and and, and, uh, uh, great foraging this season in British Columbia. All right. Thanks a lot, Anthony. Appreciate it. Okay. That was Jeremy Budd. He's the co-owner of West Coast Wild Foods. There's plenty more to come up next. We speak with Harry Hertzig, the executive director of the Vancouver International Wine Festival. You can listen to the show live weekly in 20 cities across British Columbia or on demand on all major podcast platforms. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. It's time to think turkey. Your BC turkey farmers work hard all year to bring high quality products to your table. Whether it's a weeknight dinner or special occasion, turkey is always a delicious source of lean protein. And you can't forget the leftovers. With a great meat to bone ratio, you get a great value and multiple meals. So the next time you're wondering what to serve, think turkey. Find recipes, info, and more at bc.canadianturkey.ca. Join BC Food and Wine Radio and Anthony Gismondi at the 44th Vancouver International Wine Festival, April 22nd to 30th at the Vancouver Convention Center. Tickets for the International Festival tastings featuring 152 wineries from 17 countries and highlighting South America are on sale now. Stay, sip, and save. Get a free tasting ticket worth up to $129 when you book a downtown hotel via stayvancouverhotels.com. Details at vanwinefest.ca. Don't wine and drive. Welcome to The Loops. When you love something, you want to do it again and again. Here in Kamloops, you can do laps on your mountain bike or play another round of golf. And when you're ready, welcoming eateries will gladly bring out budget-friendly second helpings or refills. 
Later on, you can raise the roof for a melodic encore before tucking into a comfy bed, then waking up to discover something new to do all over again. That's what we mean by Welcome to the Loops. Go to TourismCamLoops.com to plan your next road trip to the Loops. A ring-a-ding-ding. -ding. Time for happy hour at the Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. Featuring wine by the glass starting at just five bucks, along with the most fabulous gourmet bites the West Side has ever seen. Daily from 2 to 5 p.m. Plus, join us for Tommy and Tannen Tuesdays. Order a giant tomahawk ribeye and get your first bottle of Mount Boucherie Reserve Merlot for just five bucks. The Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. See you today. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. From our Save-On Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. We're back, and our guest is Harry Hertzig. He's the executive director for the Vancouver National Wine Festival. Believe it or not, it's coming up April 22nd through the 30th, which means, Harry, you're busy. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> I mean, usually the wine festival will be right around the corner at the end yep. of February, but we're we're uh, we're just going to push it back a couple of months to the end of April, and we're going to have a, a springtime festival again, like we did last year. Yeah. So what? You're sitting on the couch with your with your feet up, or what? Nothing to do. Yeah. With a laptop right on my belly all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Uh, okay, well, I know we talked briefly uh, a while back uh, without very many details, and I thought today we could get into some of them. So uh, it runs April 22 to 30th. Uh, let's start with the theme uh, of this year's festival. Yeah, we announced the theme way back in 2020, and then we had to put on a pause for a couple of years. Yeah. But we're excited to have our first ever theme continent after 44 years. We're going to do an entire continent, the continent of South America. Uh-huh. So uh, that means, uh, obviously, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil as That's well. That's right, yes. We got, we got a Brazilian winery, Miolo. Uh-huh. I don't know. And Is Venezuela have any wine? Or? Well, we, got, we have a, a South American wine expert, Evan Goldstein, Master Sommier, is going to do a, a trade seminar at the festival this year called Southern Exposure, where he's going to go over the entire history and, and playing field of South American wines. And in the tasting room this year, we're going to have a South American tasting station, which oh, wow. will feature wines from all of the four countries we mentioned. But we're also going to bring in, you know how hard it is to bring wines into this market, but we're going to have oh. some wines from Peru and Bolivia as well. In the oh, tasting. that's great. That's great. No, it's like it's like. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I had no idea it was hard to bring wine into British Columbia. We've been oh, working on it. Pause, pause. <laughs> I I could do sixty minutes on that, but uh, I won't. Uh, yeah, South America. I think it'll be exciting for people to catch up a bit. And you know, our view of South America it's a bit like South Africa. Like we know it's there, but 
Uh, I don't know. I think that 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 category has been taking a beating over the years and been neglected by buyers, neglected by psalms in a big way in restaurants. And I think you know this will be a good opportunity for people to get out and and find out that hey, you know what? These wines are uh, way more serious than we think they are, and way more interesting. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Amazing diversity, a culinary tradition, uh, Latin American flavors and themes. There's there's a lot yeah. to be excited about. Our guest is Harry Hertzig. He's the executive director of the Vancouver National Wine Festival, which runs April 22 through 30th here in Vancouver. Harry, let's talk a little bit about the tasting room because uh, it's really the driver for the festival, and and uh, the drive is the people that come into the room and talk about their wines. Who who who's coming? Who do we know that are some of the big names? Some of the big uh, you you call them vine stars now. Yeah, each winery. There's going to be 151 wineries here. This year has to bring uh, a winemaker, an owner, a senior representative from the winery to attend the festival. And then sometimes the wineries also bring an additional person to participate in the seminars. Um, and this year, I'm really excited to uh, welcome Dr. Laura Catena from Catena Zabata and uh, also Aurelia Montez from Montez. Those are some of the two heaviest wow. hitting uh, stars from uh, Argentina and Chile, for sure. Yeah. they. Uh, when you say heavy, the, the, these dudes are at the top of the chain. That's fantastic. Uh, Dr. Katana, Laura, uh, who wouldn't want to talk to her? I mean, if I was in front of her in the booth, you'd have trouble getting me uh, away from that booth for about an hour and a half. Uh, really interesting woman making fantastic wine. And, of course, Aurelio Montes, he's kind of the historian now of Chilean wine. He's been uh, uh, He's been there from the beginning. Uh, he's done so many interesting things down in uh, way down south in uh, uh, Colchawa in the Apalta Valley. And, of course, he also makes wine over in Argentina, too. He makes a wine called Caican, which is the bird that flies between Chile and Argentina uh, through the Andes. So, uh, yeah, two great guys, uh, people, to be uh, here at the show and I guess many more to be filled in in the next few days. The, I, it's kind of a moving list, right, Harry? Yes, it is. I'm amazed how many people uh, decide to come to the festival at the last minute because, like, the owner or the winemaker says, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to miss out. I've got to get on a plane right now and go to that Vancouver International Wine Festival. Yeah, and my favorite is they come and they go, why are we pouring these wines? Shouldn't we be pouring, you know, our our top wines? And then, the you know, the agent and them have a huddle and eventually it gets settled. (laughs) But it's always an interesting, (laughs) uh, you know, push and pull when the big when the big star comes to stand behind the booth. But that's what makes this festival go, and I think that's what sells tickets. I mean, the reason I would go into that room is to meet some of those people. Yeah, and what what can attract some of the top wines is putting them in seminars. That's what really also yeah. attracts these top stars because it gives them a chance to speak to their best wines on panels. For example, uh, because South America is our is our theme continent this year. We're going to have a blockbuster seminar of the top wines from Argentina and Chile, from South America, La Crema de la Crema, on the Saturday yeah. festival. And that's with uh, Evan Goldstein, who uh, uh, is a friend of the show. He lives in San Francisco. Of course, his mother, Joyce Goldstein, a very famous restaurateur in in uh, California, but uh, Evan's going to do that seminar with me. By the way, we have a wine from Brazil uh, as well in that seminar, so that should be fun. I think at the moment I've been looking at uh, 
the selection and there's eight or nine wines and uh, believe it or not the average price of some of these wines is over 100 bucks so that, it's going to be a great uh, lineup you be are a, you've been to south america so many times and you you know the you know the wine regions really well and it'll be great for you and evan to share your stories along with these top principles on the saturday the wine festival yeah. tickets for the uh, for these special events go on sale on march right. 8th we have 10 dinners on the Monday, okay. Tuesday, and Wednesday at some great restaurants, mostly, oh, wow. mostly South American and Italian dinners. They'll go on sale on uh, March 1st. That seems higher. Is it a higher number of dinners? or? Well, we're not quite line? back to pre-pandemic dinner lineup, about 15 to 20. But last year we had mm. 27 events. Normally we have about 54. So this year we're 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 making our, we're getting our way back to this year 36 yep. events. But look at the lineup: 151 wineries from 17 countries this year. It's a right. it's a great international lineup. Even though we're focusing on uh, South America, great lineup of wines from California, Italy, uh, Greece, Hungary, mm-hmm. wines from all over the world. Our guest is Harry Hertzig. He's the executive director of the Vancouver National Wine Festival. 43 years, man. When I think back to the start of that festival, uh, you know, the one winery with Mondavi and then uh, uh, where we are today, uh, it's it's interesting to, to have watched sort of the growth of wine. We talk so much about British Columbia wine. I mean, none of that existed when the festival started. They weren't even in the festival for the first uh, number of years. Uh, and probably didn't deserve to be in the festival for those years until they started, you know, really upping their game. But now they're a big part of the festival as well. Yeah, they didn't want to be put together. They wanted to be sprinkled throughout the room because they were uh, concerned that people wouldn't gravitate to the BC tables. And this year we have 21 wineries from uh, British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about some of the standards. So I, I assume there'll be a, a store, a liquor store inside, a, a wine shop inside the festival, as always, so people can buy the wines that are at the show. One of the great things about the wine festival is to have that on-site liquor store where every wine you have a chance to taste in the taste room, you can then purchase at the store, and you can have those wines delivered to your local store no matter where you are in British Columbia. And one of the things that I always look out for is the blue dots. And on the name tags yeah. in the store, there's a blue dot. And half the wines are blue dots, which means those are wines not in the market. They're not regular listings. So this is a chance yeah. to taste wines that you otherwise would never get to taste, perhaps tasting wines that are going to be in the market. But uh, look for the blue dots and look for the free delivery. Yeah. And um, and look it's for the wine service. freaks who go immediately to the store on Thursday night when the doors open and go in there and start buying those wines that are, are hard to get. Like, you got to get in there and elbow people out of the way if you want to find the wines you want. Well, the, uh, I love get, it. You know, there is a lineup at the end, but you can purchase wines throughout <laughs> the evening and use the bottle check. Like, why wait to the end? I mean, you can purchase yeah. wines throughout the entire evening. Uh, one of the things I like about this year, the Bacchanalia Gala has, uh, uh, you have appointed uh, our good friend Anthony Von Mandel uh, to be the patron, I guess, of, of that dinner. How's that going? You know, um, there's been some uh, big personalities that have been involved in the wine festival for a long time. Um, Anthony Von Mandel uh, and Mission Hill and his stable of wineries have been participating in the wine festival now for over 30 years, but also his import agency. Mm-hmm. The Mark Anthony Group 
has participated, sure. bringing in international wines from around the world. And this was a, ch- a chance to just provide more profile for some of the great personalities in the wine community that we can help per- have involved more fully in the wine festival and give them some yeah. profile. Before we run out of time, so let's get to ticketing, early bird pricing, stay Vancouver. What's happening, Harry, and how can people uh, get tickets? International Festival Tasting tickets for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night and Saturday afternoon are on sale now at a discount. And, of course, you can always get a free ticket. That's my favorite thing, and that's through a hotel booking, stayvancouverhotels.com. Wherever you are in British Columbia, come to the last weekend of April. Come to Vancouver. Enjoy the culinary scene, the restaurants, the wine festival, the free delivery back to your local liquor store, whether you're in Victoria, Nanaimo, Kelowna, Prince George. It's going to be Mm -hmm. a great wine time at the end of April. All the information is at vanwinefest.ca. Harry, always a pleasure. Uh, I know we'll probably talk to you one more time before uh, the festival kicks off, but for now, people should... uh, Get excited about it and get your tasting room tickets now. Get those put away. Uh, obviously, Friday, Saturday night go pretty, pretty quickly, so you want to do that. All that information, of course, is at vanwinefest.ca. Harry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Anthony. Back to the uh, couch with your computer. See you soon. <laughs> okay, that was Harry Erchig. He's the executive director for the Vancouver National Wine Festival. Still to come, Ian Tostenson, President and CEO of British Columbia Restaurant and Food Association. He's here for a quick dine-out update, some restaurant patio talk, and some talk about the state of restaurants in British Columbia. This and more coming up next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi. Stick around. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Take your wine appreciation to the next level and become a rebel. Welcome to the Rebel Club at Liber Farm and Winery. As a Rebel member, you'll enjoy a regular shipment of exemplary Liber wines for your cellar, along with complimentary tastings and VIP treatment at the winery and more. And with the ease and convenience of online ordering, your wine will be shipped straight to your door. Discover more at LiberFarm.com. Simply great wines. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers collectors a safe, inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. They are experts in the field with the knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures and a romantic escape this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of the local wineries. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting for two and a chance to sample some incredible ice wines. It's the ideal destination for a relaxing and romantic winter getaway with that special someone. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on Valentine's packages and events. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone. 
But this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three Finger Jack. Outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Make you glad you came. The sun goes down, the stars come out, and all that counts. Hello, British Columbia. Joining us now is Ian Tostenson. He's the president and CEO of the British Columbia Restaurant and Food Services Association. Uh, a massive job, lots of questions, but we're going to start with Dino quickly because uh, it's such a fixture of the restaurant scene. Ian, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you. Happy New Year, if I can still say that. It's February, yeah. but it's good to talk to you again. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, have you had a chance to dine out uh, this month? Yeah, I sure have uh, here and uh, in Victoria um, and also the Okanagan. So most of these programs are finished at the very beginning of February. So I would say, you know, whether you're in you know the Okanagan or, or southern Vancouver Island or Vancouver, is is get out and, and get that last hurrah. It's been so successful this year. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, the real reason is, Anthony, is that we still have this pent-up demand which we have not satisfied that is, uh, you know, on the heels of the pandemic. There's a lot of people that, in fact, I was in Victoria a couple of weeks ago and there was a, quote, gala event for the opening of um, a dine-out in Victoria, dine-around in Victoria, 500 people came out, paid 100 bucks ticket to Grace to go from wow. the various restaurants, you know, the various wineries, various breweries. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to work the door here because I just talked to people. And people said, oh, it's so nice to be out. And we haven't been out for a couple of years. And this mm-hmm. is so exciting. And the food is great. So, you know, that enthusiasm in, all across British Columbia for the yeah. dino programs have been seen, and, and they're full. I mean, every single one of those markets has been full, so we're really happy yeah. with that. Well, uh, you know what, Ian? I don't want to run the Restaurant Association, but the, the this talk about social uh, people getting together and socializing and how good it is for them, for uh, the province, for people's mental health, uh, maybe we should talk more about that when we talk about restaurants than, you know, all the other issues uh, around it, because really it's, a, it's, it's, you know, getting together when, like, when you go to Europe, right? Five o'clock, people out walking, having a drink, having a bite to eat, going to dinner. This, this is a calming influence on, on, on a population where a lot of people are stressed out. It totally is, and, and you're, you're totally right, is that, you know, is we've been really talking about the, the, the benefits of, restaurants and neighborhoods and the culture they bring and the safety they bring and Mm -hmm. the comfort they bring. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter about, you know, like people go, you know, don't get hampered with the food. It's the environment. It's the ability to sit and go have a glass of wine or have a snack and just be with somebody and have conversation. And, and you hit on something that that's what is resonating people right now. It's not just like, Come on, Anthony, let's go have a five-star meal here. It's like, hey, let's go have a beer and just talk. I haven't seen you for a while, and let's just get caught up. And, and we have, we're a long way, I think, to satisfying the demand for that. So that's, that's serving us really well. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of snow this week, but it's going to go away pretty quick uh, in B.C., I hope. Uh, what's the update on patios? Because I've been hearing some rumblings about patios, uh, you know, either not authorized or not ready to open or whatever. What, what's going on with patios? I mean, how hard is it to get a few tables outside? 
No, I know. I mean, and you're absolutely right. So, it, so when we look at Vancouver, uh, Victoria is the same. Uh, the Okanagan's a l- little bit more sort of progressive, if you will. But what we're seeing right now are the two major cities in, in, in British Columbia that are still yet to go to council to lay out their plans for the patio program. Now, last year in, ba- in Vancouver was a was a classic example. Uh, the city had gone, spent six months studying patios. They came up with a 30-page document and said, ta-da, it's going to cost you, by the time you get through this, about $5,000. So we went crazy on that because, come on, to your point, we're talking about some seats outside. So um, what we've got now in the city of Vancouver and Victoria is this mindset, which is let's get these things approved, let's keep the cost down, um, let's and let's not get hung up about. Now this is where we get. I won't go down too far down the road here, but there's a difference between a permanent patio and a seasonal patio. And the permanent patio is obviously because you're going to put a permanent structure in place has a little bit more requirements in terms of engineering and accessibility versus a temporary yeah. patio. What we're saying is, you know what? Now is not the time to be thinking about permanent patios. Get on with the temporary patios. Get on with the city of Vancouver, Victoria, Kelowna, and get these seats out there. Now, I do find this interesting. Uh, uh, one seat on a patio, and I just learned this uh, this week, is worth about six to ten thousand dollars in revenue for the duration of the summer. Season, so, my question yeah. to the operators were, well, that's great, but if you're just shifting seats from inside to outside, where's the incremental? And the incremental is, of course, is that. If you and I go to a patio on a you know warm spring summer <laughs> day, we tend to stay longer. We linger. Right? We're not going back to the office and go ah, have no. a beer, have a glass of wine, and stuff. And so that's where they are so major. And as someone pointed out, said, try to be a restaurant without a patio and see how your business is for the summer. So yeah. incredibly important. And again, you know, to your point, Anthony, for the mental state of people getting outside. For the attraction of tourists, you know, for the attraction of bringing back people downtown cores in Victoria and Vancouver, absolutely critical. And I think, you know, when talking to the mayor of Vancouver, he gets that and he wants to create a buzz in Vancouver. So I think we'll be in good shape this year. Ian Tossens is the president of the uh, British Columbia Restaurant and Food Services Association. Mm. Ian, let's talk a little bit, uh, uh, just follow up a bit sort of post-COVID. You know, one in four people were going to leave jobs before. There's uh, supply chain issues, all that. How is all that rolling out now? What, what do you see in restaurants? And are people coming back to work? Is it still, do we, are we going to have robots serving us? What, what, what's the vision? <laughs> You got a little bit of everything in there, so we are, we are seeing robots a little bit, uh, you know, more in the sort of, you know, quick sort of, especially, you know, the sort of more Asian-style restaurants for just doing, yeah. you know, little tasks. It's kind of cool. Um, but we are, you know, we've seen probably the best sales we've seen uh, since 2019, this, this you know, this season um, during October, November, December this year. So that's been really good. We're massively understaffed, um, but we're dealing with that. Uh, you know, sales are there. You know, we're starting to feel that, that labor shortage. Um, interesting, restaurant group told me that their their pricing now is starting to go. We've seen inflation at 10 to 11% for the cost of goods down to 5%. So you're starting to see wow, much more certainty yeah, in yeah. supply and a lot more uh, reductions in price. So that's going yeah. to be very helpful. And then, what, of course, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm, I wanted to ask you about were the Michelin Awards and whether that yeah. was a good thing, a bad thing, an interesting thing. Like, I don't know. I read a really great story a couple of weeks ago about how people, the food in, in British Columbia is so great in Vancouver. It is so good from restaurant to restaurant that do we need them? Did they help us? Did they hurt us? So what's the take in the industry? I think it's, uh, you, you always want the great options and I think it's down, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's, it casts, because uh, there's a whole, I don't really understand this either, but there's a whole um, a, a tourism uh, around food in the world. And so sure. Michelin's going to attract that. They'll go to Vancouver and Michelin restaurants to go, hey, that's a great starting point. And then you're right, when they get here, they're going to realize Michelin or not, we do an exceptional job, I think, right across the board in terms of variety and quality mm-hmm. and interest. Um, the one thing I will say about Michelin is... Um, and, and talking to a few people that a got it or they're sort of on the list is that when they talk to their counterparts in Europe about being a Michelin star restaurant, they find out that, you know, these restaurants tend to be smaller. They have to invest an awful lot of money to retain that Michelin rating. And yeah. some of them find it really stressful because if Anthony's got a, a Michelin rating and, and all of a sudden you don't, I'm going to go, what happened? And yeah. so it's really, it's tough to maintain. It, you know, it really is. It's a great honor, great for the city. But I think in general, what carries uh, the, our industry in British Columbia, all throughout British Columbia, is mm. our uniqueness, our, our wines, our food, our, our entrepreneurship, and what we've done in the restaurant business. And I think we're second to none. Or, 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 there's no, we are number one in all of Canada in terms of our food and our quality and our attraction. So pretty proud of that. Ian, uh, great update. Uh, look forward to getting out on the patio. Maybe you and I should get together on a patio uh, and sit in the sunshine, maybe blow Let's an afternoon that. away and talk okay. about all when this stuff in open, depth. the patio's open, the sun comes out, I'm going to call you. <laughs> we're going to do that. Okay. It, thanks it, so we're much. We're going to hang out for a while, too. Okay, buddy. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Anthony. That was Ian Tossinson. He's the president and CEO of British Columbia Restaurant Food Association. Up next, our old friend Lee Mann is back. He's a founding judge of the Chinese Restaurant Awards and a contributor to Vancouver Magazine. We're going to talk about uh, Asian food, where the good stuff is. This is BC Food & Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on wine tours and winery events. Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at yoursouthokanaganhome.com. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. 
Destination? The Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're back with a special shout-out to all bounce radio stations across the province. Our guest is Lee Mann. He's the founding judge of the Chinese Restaurant Awards. Lee was born in Hong Kong but raised in Vancouver, and he's a regular contributor to Vancouver Magazine where he is a judge at the annual Restaurant Awards as well. He's a self-described adorer of food, and we're happy to have him back. Lee Mann, thanks for joining us today. Happy Lunar New Year. Happy Lunar New Year. Uh, great to have you on the show. Let's start uh, with the Chinese Restaurant Awards uh, mm-hmm. that you're so uh, involved in. Uh, what's the brief history there? Um, the the Chinese Restaurant Awards have been around, gosh, I want to say for like, like 15 yeah. years. It's been around for a really long time. And, um, you know, every year we, we try to really, the, they're, they're consumer driven in the sense that we really want to introduce dishes and help people order at, at Chinese restaurants. Um, yeah. And so... We try to pick, hey, here's some great dishes that you can try out. This year, actually, there's been a little bit of a pivot where we say, hey, look, you know, um, there's some genres of restaurants that you should really kind of not be afraid of going in and trying. The the breadth and depth of Chinese restaurants in Vancouver is nuts. And I'd yeah. say, sometimes people ask me, well, what's the best Chinese restaurant? Um, and I will say, the one that's the closest to you. Um, because <laughs> they like that. Yeah, because because you know, like, and and you know, you go in and it it it's not usually really expensive, and and try something, right? Like, yeah. I think you'll always be surprised. But um, this well, year, well, we, let's we just let's to... just stop. Let's stop there for a second. So, yeah. one thing I uh, I want to get to the genres for sure. Uh, restaurants also have a special dish. You 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 first focused on that. Is that correct? Or there's always so, yeah. some sort of house dish. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, there's all because you know you go into a, a restaurant and um, menus are always encyclopedic. I mean, these we have a lot of classically full on end to end kitchens in in Vancouver, and yeah. so they're able to do anything, right? They're able to do a lot of things, and sometimes it's good to just say, "Hey, look, you know, if I go somewhere, what's a, a good thing to order?" And yeah. so we we focus on that. Um, this year, we we kind of turn to say, "Hey, look here." Are restaurants by genre that have a real um, okay. deep menu, but at the same time, we still recommend signature dishes um, for for each of the restaurants. So just to help we'll, you, uh, yeah. So what are the genres that you that we should look for? We can investigate. I mean, um, Vancouver's got so many um, Cantonese restaurants, right? So we we did pick out best Cantonese. Uh, we have best 
um, dim sum. Uh, we have Best Fine Dining. Um, there's been a couple of restaurants that have really um, been ambitious, or there's a couple of restaurants that are very ambitious. Um, and we thought, hey, you know what? Here's some fine dining restaurants that are really worthy of a, of a spend and, and enjoying. Um, we have Best Taiwanese, um, Best Sichuan, Best Shanghainese. Um, there's a lot of uh, Shanghainese restaurants. Um, best Vegetarian. Um, and through those, we, we also tried to talk about uh, oh, Best uh, Barbecue. I think um, there's so yeah. many awesome barbecue shops. Um, sure. And, and we, you know, it, all across the genres, like even just, you know, food court places all the way to really expensive places. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so uh, in the awards itself, do restaurants, uh, do they get different awards in different categories or, or are there crossovers? Like how, do, how, does it, how does a restaurant fare when they're judged? I mean, some of the restaurants actually have gotten multiple awards, but, you know, we'll say, hey, so this year, Dynasty, for example, on West Broadway got both mm-hmm. best um, Cantonese and best dim sum. And um, they are really, really excellent. They got a recognition from the Michelin Guide also. Um, but that they are so much fun with kind of big banquet style dishes. And they have a, a really deep talent pool when in terms of putting together innovative and interesting dim sum. They also have some really excellent vegetarian dishes. Yeah, um, yeah this year we, we, we talked a lot a little bit about, we talked a lot about the Fishman. Um, the Fishman is um, a seafood kind of based Sichuan restaurant. And they won for Best Sichuan Restaurant of the Year. And we wanted to give a shout out to the chef there, Li Bo, as um, kind of rising star chef of the year. And it's interesting um, for Sichuan food. If you go down to L.A., they really take, for example, L.A. takes real pride in their Sichuan food. The Fishman actually is one of the few places, if not the only place, that I've seen use local seafood and they run it through a Sichuan lens. And um, so it's less about condiment and heat, and they really focus on inherent freshness and sweetness of seafood. And, and in that way, you can see a genre of Chinese food kind of make itself more and more Vancouver-like. Cantonese yeah. restaurants have done that forever, and they really do a great job of it. But other restaurants are doing that also. I like that. Lee Man, of course, uh, heads up the Vancouver uh, Chinese Restaurant Awards. Uh, well, around the Lower Mainland, actually. Uh, Lee, let, let's talk about some of the... Uh, oh, maybe before I get to that, I just want to know a little bit. I'm interested in uh, 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 the Michelin star effect. Uh, hmm. uh, was Richmond left out of the Michelin star restaurant? Yeah, it was. It was. And I think that that just is a function of the program, not of, not reflecting any sort of the talent that's yeah. out there or the restaurants yeah. that are out there. It's just that was there. That was their geographical area, and it just fell outside of it, unfortunately. Well, uh, I want to sort of combine this. Uh, it's the year of the rabbit, uh, Chinese New Year, lots of traditions. What can you tell us about the rabbit that, that we need to know? The rabbit is kind of a um, – it's a good year. I mean, last year was the year of the tiger, and the tiger is the year of a lot of change, a lot of mm-hmm. – um, you know, energy, good and bad. Um, the year of the rabbit tends to be peaceful, prosperous. It's a year to kind of just settle in and, and maybe it'll be back to business as usual, but it, it's a, a definitely kind of a more peaceful year. It's one of the more lucky years to be born under. Uh, wow. It's a lucky uh, uh, animal to be born under. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a good year to, to kind like of... I like the sound of that. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's nice. Okay, so for most of us uh, who aren't Chinese, uh, we could celebrate by uh, going out to a restaurant, and I was hoping that maybe you could pick a few. I know it's a crazy question, but uh, maybe something in Richmond, something in, in uh, the White Rock uh, area. I, I don't know. You tell me uh, where, where people could head on the North Shore. Have you got a few names you can flip us? Yeah, I mean, um, I think in Richmond, the places I like are places like Chef Tony. And uh, Chef Tony is a classic kind of a Cantonese restaurant. Um, really great about, um, you know, classic kind of big dishes. And so you'd mm-hmm. go there for like your rock cod or your, your whole chicken. Okay. And um, that, that is a, a really kind of excellent restaurant to go, go to. Um, on the North Shore, I've always been a fan of uh, Westview. Uh, yeah. Westview Chinese restaurant. I think they have a really wide menu. They they've tried to incorporate a lot of northern dishes, but in a lot of ways, are kind of like a classic family style uh, restaurant um, that you know a, a family would go to if you lived in like Hong Kong. Um, I also like Master Hung Beef Noodle Soup on uh, in Ampleside. I think that that is really. Oh. a great uh, restaurant, like, you know, just for noodles. And quite frankly, yep. you should have lots of noodles because it's a, a longevity dish. Um, and I think that that's <laughs> I'm really, into that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's funny, I went to um, a place on South Granville, Granville and 41st recently, called Tao's Kitchen. And they specialize in roasted meats. And they do a crazy delicious suckling pig. And it feels like it actually is real suckling pig. And actually, if you call on the right night, they will have Spanish suckling pig on their menu. Um, they also have roast goose regularly on their menu. Um, I had some of their roasted squab. Like, the roasted meat is is really, really well done. Um, I've got my favorites on West Broadway. I love Chef's Choice. I could go on and on about it forever. Dynasty, which was a multiple yep. winner. And down in Chinatown, you know what? I am really a big fan of Chinatown barbecue. Um, great barbecue. Um, really resonant in that community, really reflects a lot of shops that used to be down there. They really are welcoming. It's a fantastic space. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Chinatown Barbecue and, and Daisy Garden, which is just right beside it also. Yeah. yeah no, in White Rock, um, there is the Bund Shanghainese restaurant. And I got to say, I've been hearing nothing but good things about it. It's right on the waterfront. Um, and they do kind of real, real deal, authentic Shanghainese food. Um, so you would go there for their xiaolongbao. Um, you would go there for uh, stir-fried noodles or some of the braised pork. Um, I think it has a beautiful view. Um, and the Bund, obviously, is the waterfront in Shanghai. And so it makes reference to um, yeah. the location also. Yeah. I'm going to get my director of ops to take me there. I, I think he lives just a few feet from that restaurant. Oh, I'm going to oh. check with him about that. Mm. Uh, been great catching up with you, Lee. Uh, one last thing. I know that the uh, uh, Scotiabank Feast of Fortune charity uh, comes up at the JW Merritt Park on February 11th. That's a fundraiser for St. Paul's Hospital. Uh, yeah. You can go to feastoffortune.com to bid on silent auction items or make a donation. Uh, yeah. It would be great to uh, for people to go there and uh, get that hospital, uh, the new hospital, uh, off to a great start. Absolutely. And and you can go on that site, and from Chef's Choice, you can buy a traditional dish called Poon Choi, which is a, a very auspicious dish. 
or you can get some of their XO sauce. Um, there's also an excellent selection of teas that you can buy. And they've got a, a really uh, interesting um, lineup of, of chefs, including, including uh, Desiree, I can't remember her last name, but she was on um, Chef this year. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there's some really interesting things to go and eat there. Right on. Lee, thanks yeah. so much for joining us today. Really appreciate the catch-up and some of the great tips on where to dine uh, for Chinese food around uh, the Lower Mainland. Thank you. Good to see you, man. Keep well. You too. That's it for this week's show, folks. Special thanks to our technical producer here in Vancouver, Dwayne Bishop, our assignment editor, Sherry Kalo, and, of course, our director of operations, Stu Ferguson. Uh, we'll be back in the studio next week. For all of us at the show, I'm Anthony Gismani, wishing you a great week ahead, and we'll catch up with you next week across the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. 